Welcome to the Investor Coaching Show, a podcast to help you get an insider's view of the financial world and escape common investment traps. We look at the financial news of the day and help you make sense of it so you can relax about money. And here's your host, Paul Winkler. And welcome. This is the Investor Coaching Show. I am Paul Winkler. And joined this hour by Mr. Chad Henson. Let's see. Certified financial planner. Chartered. Special needs consultant. Special needs consultant. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to blow this. And chartered retirement planning counselor. Yeah, whatever. Okay. <laughs> Getting piled higher and deeper as uh, as we speak. Uh, so anyway, uh, Chad, I, you know, I thought I would do for an hour. I had a conversation with a young lady and I, you know, I'm eternally interested in how you guys view the job of the financial planner and uh, kind of philosophical differences that we have. Now, dealing with special needs children, you're dealing with children that have you know, maybe that they're, well, you know, I wasn't going to go here, but I think I will go here. Why not? Uh, so you're dealing with kids that maybe have physical disabilities, possibly mental disabilities, right. and you're dealing with kids that are maybe not going to be able to necessarily take care of themselves fully as they get older. And their parents are worried what happens to these kids. As sure. they get older. Yeah, it's, that's a big worry for parents. So uh, talk a little bit about that. I mean, you think, you just think of normal parents. They worry about their typical kids, you know, being able to survive life without them. And uh, so, but when you're dealing with, you know, parents that have children with special needs, it's even more incumbent to, you know, to be, you know, educated number one and then you know prepared for and preparing for the future because you know none of us live forever and the, there's a high likelihood unless there is you know some other type of underlying illness that the child will outlive the parents i had a situation a couple of days a couple of days a couple of weeks ago something like that all days run together for me <laughs> uh but um the the situation was where it was apparent and what they had done is they decided that they were going, and they said it was a fun experiment. I thought that was the interesting thing about the conversation. It was a fun experiment. What they did is they had several children, not necessarily disabled, but they did have varying levels of responsibility. Right. Uh, you know, <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, how do I nicely put this? Yeah. That works. That works for me. That, that works okay right there. They're different differing levels of views of responsibility. And what they did was they decided to do a test on giving them money and giving them certain amounts of money. It reminded me of the prodigal child that decided, <laughs> but he's getting it all. You know, the prodigal right. child yeah. gets it all, right? And really screws it up. And then, you know, comes crawling back and saying, Oh my goodness, I don't even deserve to get, you know what the servants get. But um, is, that, is that anything you guys covered at all in these studies that where you wanted to see? Because sometimes you have somebody with a, with a, a kid with a disability, but maybe that they actually, actually parents think that they're more disabled than they actually are. Yeah, I think that's, uh, that's 
fairly common um, in the sense that parents are, you know, even parents of typical children are very protective. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just a nurturing thing you have, mm-hmm. you know, that you always want to protect your kids. And, and the difference between protecting and enabling <laughs> can be a fine line. <laughs> it's a very fine line. Yeah. But, in you know, also in in the sense of being so protective, a lot of times parents, whether the child's disabled or not, don't let the child reach their fulfillment. And I, and I think that's a really good point. So and my, my thinking in regards to that is sometimes what a parent ought to ought to think about is do we just give the child certain amounts of you know line to hang themselves, so to speak, in a way where they just get them out there and say, you know, make some decisions and let's see how they do. Because while they're around, it's a lot better to make some of those mistakes and maybe give them some leeway while they're still around to pick up the pieces later on versus later on and just hope that they're going to be able to handle oh, things when they're not around anymore. Absolutely. That's a, and it's a great idea. You know, like I said, whether it's a, a typical child or a child with special needs, I mean, that's, that's part of the growing and learning process. And even more so, you know, if you have a child with special needs, it's a, it's kind of a, uh, a depth gauge per se, you know, of, you know, what, you know, your child can and cannot handle and how that needs to be portrayed, um, either to future caretakers, siblings, uh, trustees of trust, maybe even the language that you write in, in to trust, you know, because if they're able to handle more than what you thought they would be able to handle, maybe the trust language can be a little more lenient. Uh, if they're not able to handle as much as you thought they could, then maybe you need to be a little more strict in the language of how funds would be distributed. So, so when let's say that you're trying to decide who's going to be the trustee, you know, of a trust for a special needs trust. Now, now explain. Let's let's stop. Let's step back a second and explain what a special needs trust is and and what they basically do for the child that has special needs. What? How do they work? Yeah. So they're different types, but the most commonly thought of is what we call a third party special needs trust, and that is where it's not an asset of the child. Uh, the assets belong to the trust, but they're for the benefit of the child. Um, and so they're set up in the reason in, in, in the being. And yeah, I was going to say the reason there's going to be a definite reason for it not to be the child's asset. So, yeah, definitely exactly. get into that. Exactly. They're set up uh, so that a child with special needs or an adult child with special needs is still able to qualify for benefits um, and assistance from whether it be government or programs or things of that nature. Uh, unfortunately, our system, you know, hasn't uh, grown uh, with times. You know, we you talk all the time about inflation. You know how in the seventies the average wage was you know seven thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and today it's you know sixty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. You know, <laughs> it just shocks to, people to, to hear that. Yeah, to qualify for you know a lot of the government funds, such as you know supplemental security income, uh, you can't have assets over two thousand dollars currently. There have been numerous I, bills. Yeah, that's been that way for ever. as long as I remember. Yeah. You know, there was a bill last year that was. Uh, basically tabled, but it was to raise the threshold to $10,000, which 
still is very low, but it's much better than two thousand dollars. Well, it's like it's like you know the death benefit for Social Security two hundred fifty five dollars been that way since the nineteen thirties or something like that. Yeah, well, in the nineteen thirties, you might have been able to buy enough wood to build a coffin, but you know today that won't even buy you you know scrap wood. (laughs) That is so true. It's so funny. You go, why is it that right? Why is it that number? That that makes no sense to me. Yeah, but Uh, so, uh, so so what in general? What are some of the benefits that might be that somebody might be eligible that you're talking about you said ssdi um, so you got ssi you know um which is supplemental security income where if you have you know little to no income it's uh, an additional benefit provided by the government it's uh it's actually adjusted for inflation each year uh but the monthly benefit's not enough to live on by itself. So, so how do how do you qualify for such a thing? Because I, I brought up SSDI, but you're talking about a different program there. So yeah, so, so. basically, it's an income dependent program. Um, you can't have currently over two thousand dollars in assets in your name, and your income has to be below a certain level. You have an eighty dollar exclusion. It's like, it's, like, it's like super super low. Uh, yeah, I, I remember it was less than ten thousand, wasn't it, or something like that. Oh, your your income, yes, per for a year, yes, right, but right, it's right. done on a monthly basis. Right. right. So. Okay. Yeah, I don't know the n- monthly number, but I remember that I was like eight hundred. I can't. Yeah, it's been it's, it's been too long since I studied it. Yeah. Right now, the the full if you got the full benefit, it's I think it's in the upper eight hundred range. Um, okay, that's that's that sounds right to me based on my my memory of it. But anyway, so that is, and so you can benefit from that. And then if you work, then that benefit gets taken away because I've seen people under that benefit. Right. If you away. make over a certain amount of income, you have an exclusion. Uh, there's a twenty dollar and then a sixty dollar, which totals an eighty dollar a month exclusion. And then it's basically fifty cents on every dollar that you earn gets taken away. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. you know there. You know, the other part of it is, though, if you have extra expenses, uh, you can deduct those if they are pertinent, you know, a disability expense that mm-hmm. you have to mm-hmm. perform the job, whether it be some type of special oh, equipment oh, or, you know, even ride shares and things of that nature, you can deduct that from your wages to help keep you under that threshold. Okay, so that's one benefit that might be available to somebody. In regards to, let's say, a special needs child, is there anything else that I'd be thinking about besides that? The biggest benefit and the most important for families to hold on to is the medical benefits that are provided. Um, you know, in Tennessee, it's mm. called TenCare, but it's basically Medicaid. Every state has their own program. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there are also, depending on the state you live in, well, there are federal grants and things that you can put on, you know, be on waiting lists for and everything. But every state has programs as well. Mm-hmm. And it's state dependent on where you live. Um, some states are much better than others uh, as far as things that you can get. But you have low income housing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, mm-hmm. which is, referred to as section eight a lot of people think it's just you know the poverty but there are low income housing Uh you know for people with disabilities there are group homes for people with disabilities but you know group homes Mm -hmm. tell me a little bit about that so like a lot of group homes and i church that i went to several years ago they were they were uh someone some of the members of the church uh, worked for an organization and um, they had group homes and mm-hmm. it was 
uh, for adults with disabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times you'll find them where they may be, you know, similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you have intellectual disabilities in, you know, a group home and, th- and they'll be in usually in smaller sizes, like maybe four to six people mm-hmm. that live in the same home. And depending on what their abilities are, they're all different levels of group homes. Some of them are completely independent. Some of them have a, you know, maybe what did you call it when we were in college and you had the, you know, the a dorm dorm person that, you know, oh, an dorm RA? mother or RA? dorm father. Yeah. RA, Regis- you know, someone assistant. that, you know, just kind of helps with them with certain things. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the group that, um, that attended the church that I went to, one was blind. Well, mm-hmm. both of them were blind actually. Mm-hmm. And they had a caretaker that lived in the home with them that helped, you know, cook mm-hmm. meals and assist them with things. And mm-hmm. they went to the store, but they also had jobs. They, the, the organization provided jobs for disabilities too. So they actually went to work and, you know, had some sense of normalcy, okay. you know, in, in life so. so so the reason to do a special needs trust as we're talking about is just you know when you're working with an attorney doing this that's who would draw draft such a document for you but the idea is that leave the asset separate from the child so that it is not necessarily an asset of the child which would end up causing them to lose those other benefits that we're referring yes, to. Yes, yeah. And there are restrictions on how those uh, the money in the trust can be used so that you stay, you know, qualified for the benefits that you're receiving. But it's general in general thought it's to supplement the lifestyle, not supplant the lifestyle. Right. So so as to not put the child in a position or the adult child, as it were, in the position of just living in absolute dire poverty. And, and just because I you know, think so often, oh, yeah. yeah, you, you look yeah. at that and go, oh, my goodness, to, to live at that particular level. I can't even imagine my well, kid. You, you, you know, if you were totally dependent on SSI and your insurance from the government and that's all you had, you couldn't, you know, you couldn't live. There's no word that you could rent and have a place yeah. and be able to eat. And it's just not possible. Right, right, right. So when you're doing. Let's say if somebody like yourself was doing special needs planning, what is your role in working with these families? What are the types of things that you do? Like, how do you approach it? Yeah. So basically what, you know, I do, the first thing is just education, you know, and it's, it's trying to, you know, assess the situation, you know, from I'm an outsider, obviously, to it. So I can look at things more objectively than maybe the parents can and everything. And just to go through the education of, uh, of planning, because you're planning not only for your retirement, but you're planning for your child who likely will outlive you. Mm-hmm. And there's so many variables, you know, and, and degrees or levels of disability, you know, a lot of, a lot of adults with disabilities you know can live a fairly normal lifestyle where others you know require constant care so i mean there's no one size fits all for everything and you just kind of have to assess what the situation is and what the needs are going to be in the future well i think one thing that, that comes to mind for me is when you're dealing with sometimes people will Oh, it's like the old bumper sticker. You know, I'm spending my grandkids' kids' inheritance and so on and so forth. And now you're really thinking in terms of when I take an income from my investment portfolio, not running the portfolio down. 
Like I see people do this thing where they say, hey, you can do this annuity and you'll get this level of distribution. But you know, when you do that, if you annuitize, then the money's gone at, at your death and, and you're staying away from that even more so than normal. Absolutely. Like the plague when Absolutely. you're dealing with that yeah. particular situation because you gotta make sure that the money lasts, number one, for the next generation. And then the other thing that I, you know, I, th I think about, okay, so I take this money now, I've got to think about the IRA distribution rules and the inherited IRA distribution rules. But you have an, you have an exception for disabilities. Yeah. And talk a little bit about that for inherited IRAs. Now you have the 10-year rule. If you are not a spouse of the person that owns the IRA, if you are a spouse, you can take over the IRA as your own. If you're not a spouse, you have 10 years. In most cases, there are some limited exceptions that all of the money has to be distributed from the IRA and taxes paid on it. But what is the rule for in, in this particular situation? You got somebody that's a disability. Yeah, so if you have an adult child or a child that's a minor uh, with disabilities, uh, the minor obviously has, you know, a additional sets of rules to it. But as an adult child with disabilities, you inherit an IRA, you can stretch it over your life expectancy, which falls under the same as the old rule was prior to what was it 2020? I think it was. Uh -huh. yeah. And so it, it can be distributed over that period of time. You still have to be cautious about you don't want to leave it to the child as a beneficiary if they're going to be dependent on you know, some type of government assistance. And it varies with, you know, every different adult because there are a and lot. And some of, people may even just say, I don't, I don't want my kid dependent on, on government assistance exactly. because I do have means of my own. Right. Now, th that's a really important rule in this particular case. So what that basic rule says is this. There's a person, they look at your life expectancy. And life expectancy for the beneficiary depends on what age they are when they inherit the IRA. So let's say that they're age 40, let's just use when they end up, when person passes away, the parent passes away, and the, the child is age 40. And let's say that they look at that child and they go, okay, you've got a, oh, let's say 45 year life expectancy. I don't know. It's probably not, I'm probably not far off. Uh, let's say it's a, a 45 year life expectancy. Cause you know, it's not what the life expectancy that you had when you were born, which may be age 78 you've made it through 40 years of stuff. And when you're age 40, you're going to have a longer life expectancy than another 38 years, 40 plus 38, 78, which was originally when you were born. So what happens is this, let's say it's 45 years. They'll go like this. They'll say, here's the account balance. You have to take out account balance divided by life expectancy 45. And then that will be your distribution amount. So, you know, when you first begin, it can be, you know, it can be fairly low. Um, let's say if it's 40 and then, and then it's, we go, you know, two and a half percent of the account value. Then next year, it's going to be 39 years. Then it's going to be 38 years. They're going to subtract one year for every year as you get older. It's not like the life expectancy for required minimum distributions, a little bit different. But that is a far cry better because typically if you're looking at, a well-managed investment portfolio, the distribution amount is typically going to be significantly greater than that you can take. So you may have an account that ends up growing and you're only taking out well more than the growth rate in much more advanced years. You know, so that is important. That's a really important rule when it comes down to that. Now, it used to be the case for people re inheriting regular IRAs. It just isn't anymore. 
So we're talking about, you know, you've got a child maybe that they have a mental disability, a physical disability, uh, worried about what happens to them if you can't be around anymore. But you also have kids that are, let's say, just they just make bad decisions. Uh, you know, a lot of times you'll get uh, kids that, you know, for one reason or another, make decisions on you know, like overspending. I, th I think of overspending just because simply what happens so often, what we do, and it's, it's a lot of people do it too. It doesn't, you know, don't even have to be a special needs kid to do this. You can be a normal human and do this. Uh, trying to get approval. And, you know, approval from parents, uh, showing not, not just parents, but also just regular people that you've grown up with, just to show that maybe you were picked on and you want to show, hey, I want to show that I'm actually competent, I'm good, and I, I've made it. I was talking to somebody the other day, and I said, you know, it's like when I was a kid, Chad, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, if you didn't have Converse sneakers... You oh, yeah. were not cool. Yeah. You, I don't remember. No. Was it Converse for you, you guys too? It was Converse for us too. Yeah. Oh I'm not yeah. Not that far behind you. <laughs> oh man, I remember it was. It was like oh goodness, goodness. And you know there were certain uh, Levi's. You had to have Levi's with a certain tag in it, you know, and right. if you didn't, if you didn't yeah. make it, uh, you had to have a certain kind of bike. Uh, you know, you yeah. had to, you know, there's all of these things. So and I had none of those. <laughs> well, I didn't either. I didn't either. It's a traumatized me for life. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I think I had, uh, what was it? Sears used to sell the uh, tough skins that had the reinforced knees because I was always tearing them. You know, you sit down and it's like a flat spot that stuck out on your knee. <laughs> yeah, or no name sneakers. Was oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so what happens is we, we're not, and it's, you know, it's, I like to explain that our mind is like this mansion and the conscious part of our mind is a little broom closet. Uh, and so much of what we do is subconscious. So we may spend into oblivion just to show that we're worthy. We're really, you know, we, we've made it and, and that we're important. And it, it's so funny because we're using money in a way to connect with people. But we're connecting by trying to, and this is the American way, impress people with money that we don't have. Uh, we try to impress people because we don't feel, you know, worthy of their attention otherwise. And, and, you know, so what happens is people want to feel okay and they will spend money because that's how they connect. And the reality of it is that's not, you know, just typically people are jealous of you when you've got more than they do. It's really the opposite. That's the funny thing about it is it's really the opposite. So what happens is you may have a child that every time money comes into their hands, they blow it because of this phenomenon. And therefore, what you know that if I give them money, I mean, think of the product, prodigal child. That's a perfect example of that. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. that's exactly what was going on there. Goes out and blows it all on wine, women, and song or whatever. Uh, and then comes back, you know, realizing, oh, none of that stuff made me as happy as I thought it was going to make me. As a matter of fact, I'm miserable. Mm -hmm. But it's often too late. So this is why sometimes people will do trial inheritances. They'll give kids a certain amount of money, you know, 10000 each kid. I've seen that. I have too, yeah. Yeah, so so what, what kind of things have you seen where they they just go and give it and then they say, here, give it a shot. Let's yeah, see. it's, yeah, it, it, it's, you know, I, I wouldn't say every client does it, but I have seen a few, few clients of ours that do that. Um, and they won't admit that that's what they're doing. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, it really is in a sense, you know, kind of a trial to see how, 
how the child will handle, you know, a big inflow mm-hmm. of unexpected money, you know, whether or not they will be uh, rational and responsible with it, or if it's woohoo, let's go to Vegas. Right. So that is why they're, they're looking for that. They're looking at their, there's differences in the way they handle it. So then they can decide is there something we need to do trust wise? Now, when we get deal with trusts, one of the things that you look at is, do we have a corporate trustee? Do we have an individual trustee? What are your typical thoughts regarding corporate versus individual trustees? So I'm a big fan of if you can possibly have an individual trustee, someone who's familiar with the family or the situation. Um, Corporate trustees uh, can be expensive and they're personal. Yeah. And, in personal they're cold you know because they are a corporate they don't know the family or anything you can also make the case for though that you know if you have let's say you're a parent and you have you know two children mm-hmm. and one child's very responsible the other child's not responsible and you leave money outright to one and in a trust for the other you can create friction especially if the other is the trustee it is so true I was just going to say it. If you didn't say it, I was going to say it. Yeah. yeah, that can be. And sometimes they don't want that job for the life of them. Yeah, and I, I work with the client, and that's the situation. Um, and the the one beneficiary that their money is in a trust, you know, I try to explain to them that it's not your sibling's fault. Your sibling only mm-hmm. can follow what's written in the trust. If you want to be mad at somebody, be mad at your parents, not your sibling because they didn't have any control over it but not for me- for long because your parents left you something <laughs> very true <laughs> hey this is paul winkler hope you enjoyed today's edition of the investor coaching show if you want to learn more about what we do go to our website paulwinkler.com you can watch some of the videos there and if you're not already a client you can set up a free initial consultation Until next time, I'm Paul Winkler, reminding you that I believe that more educated investors are more confident investors, and confident investors are more successful investors. Have a great one. Advisory services offered through Paul Winkler, Inc., an SEC-registered investment advisor. The opinions voiced and information provided in this material are for general informational purposes only and not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what investments are appropriate for you, please consult with a financial advisor. Paul Winkler, Inc. does not provide tax or legal advice. Please consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your particular situation.